No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we return to the book of Amos. The prophet calls Israel to hear God's word. The bread and rain were withheld and their young men were killed, yet they refused to return to the Lord. We hope you join us as we continue in Amos chapter 4 on Simply the Bible. Amos was a farmer who lived in Judah when God called him to be a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. He had a hard message to deliver because while everything seemed prosperous and secure, God was displeased with his people and his judgment was imminent. The book of Amos has much to say to our own modern culture. We now come to the second of three sermons that Amos gave in chapters 3 through 5. We continue in Amos chapter 4. Hear this word, you cows of Bashan, who are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor, who crush the needy, who say to your husbands, bring wine, let us drink. Now, Bashan was on the east side of the Sea of Galilee and was famous for its lush pastures and well-fed cattle. You'll recall that Amos was a farmer from Judah who possessed sheep and very likely had cattle as well. While calling these women cows was certainly derogatory, it probably wasn't a comment on their weight. Rather, because of their sins, these women were figuratively fattening themselves up for the coming slaughter. Now, Amos said, you oppress the poor and needy. God gave many commandments about caring for widows, the fatherless, the poor, and strangers. He considers oppression of such people to be a grievous sin. And yet, that is what they were doing. They were living it up at the expense and the oppression of the poor and needy. They were also ordering their husbands around. The word that is used for husbands here means lord or master. And so rather than submitting to their husbands, they were ordering them about. These high society women lounged around all day drinking wine and telling their husbands what to do and their husbands obeyed. The problem was they were living in luxury with no concern for others. Now the word luxury comes from a Latin word that means excessive. Eventually it referred to people who have an abundance of money, time, and comfort, which they liberally spend on themselves. Verse two, the Lord God has sworn by his holiness, behold, the days shall come upon you when he will take you away with fish hooks and your posterity with fish hooks. You will go out through broken walls, each one straight ahead of her, and you will be cast into Harmon, says the Lord. And so the Lord swore by his holiness. Now, usually if you take an oath, you swear by someone or something greater than yourself, but the Lord cannot swear by anyone greater than himself, so he simply swears by his own holiness, that is, his own integrity and keeping his word. He said that he would take them away with fish hooks. Now, Amos was describing what would happen when the Assyrians invaded Israel. The Assyrian practice was to put hooks in the noses or lower lips of their prisoners, attach ropes, and lead them away single file like animals, either to captivity or to death. 
They had led their husbands around, but now they would be led away with fish hooks where they did not want to go. And they would go through broken walls. Now they thought their city of Samaria was impregnable, but the Assyrians would breach their walls and take them captive. Come to Bethel and transgress. At Gilgal, multiply transgression. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three days. Offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving with leaven. Proclaim and announce the freewill offerings. For this you love, you children of Israel, says the Lord God. Now, Bethel had great history behind it. It was, of course, where Jacob met with the Lord. He had the dream and he saw the ladder stretching from earth to heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending. And then, of course, he called it the house of God, Bethel. But it was the first king of Israel, Jeroboam, who had set up an altar and golden calf and told the people this was the Lord they were to worship. And so they transgressed. They came to Bethel. They offered their sacrifices, but that was not what God commanded them to do at all. And so now, sarcastically, Amos is saying, go ahead, go to Bethel and transgress. Bring your sacrifices and your tithes. Offer a Thanksgiving sacrifice with leaven. Now, the Thanksgiving sacrifices were voluntary. Uh, They were not to be brought with leaven because leaven was always a symbol of corruption in Scripture, and God didn't want their sacrifices to be mixed with leaven, but they did so anyway. They also announced their free will offerings. Rather than it being a private matter between them and God, they were doing it to be seen by others. And all of these things, Amos said, you love. You love to do these things. You love to practice your religion, but you are not pleasing God while you're doing it. It's a hypocritical religion. It's a sham. Now, in verses 6 through 11, Amos points out five ways that God had been seeking to get their attention. He was chastening Israel, and yet they refused to pay attention or turn from their evil ways. Now, these things God promised to bring upon the nation in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28 if they broke the covenant. God had given them blessings that they could expect if they kept the covenant, but also these curses that would come upon them if they broke his covenant. So they should have understood that when these things began to happen, that it was the telltale sign that they were disobeying God. Verse six, also I gave you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and lack of bread in all your places, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Now, cleanness of teeth did not mean that they had no dental problems, Uh, Rather, they had no food between their teeth because God brought famine upon them. They did not have enough to eat. They should have recognized this as judgment from the hand of God and returned to him, but they did not. I also withheld rain from you. When there was still three months to the harvest, I made it rain on one city. I withheld rain from another city. One part was rained upon and where it did not rain, the part withered. So two or three cities wandered to another city to drink water, but they were not satisfied, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Now they were dependent upon the spring and autumn rains to bring in their harvest, but God withheld the rain three months before the harvest, or from about July through October, and yet this drought was selective. 
God was showing them that he was in control, sparing some cities and chastening others. The people were forced to travel to other cities to find water, but still they were not satisfied, and yet they did not seek the Lord. I blasted you with blight and mildew when your gardens increased, your vineyards, your fig trees, and your olive trees. The locusts devoured them, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Now, they had been undergoing a time of prosperity. They had been undergoing a time of military victories. And yet, in the midst of this, God was still bringing blight and mildew. Now, the blight was a hot blasting wind of the Arabian desert that blew relentlessly, and it would cause a premature drying and scorching of their grain. And then the mildew and the locusts would devastate their crops as well. But still, they did not return to Yahweh and obey his laws. I sent among you a plague after the manner of Egypt. Your young men I killed with a sword along with your captive horses. I made the stench of your camps come up into your nostrils. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. And when they came out of Egypt, the Lord promised that if they would keep his laws, then he would keep them from the diseases of Egypt, for he is Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. But because of their disobedience, he had sent a plague or pestilences among them. Moreover, God allowed their enemies to overtake them so that their young men were killed with the sword. There were so many slain that they could not escape the stench of the rotting corpses. But do you think they returned to God? Verse 11, I overthrew some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning, yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. Now, we don't know what this event was. We do know that there was a formidable earthquake that Amos mentioned in chapter 1. But God overthrew some of them like he overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. A few of them were rescued from the burning like Lot and his two daughters. And yet they did not return to the Lord or seek him. God gave them five warnings. And yet they refused to pay attention to them it was just business as usual. Now, what are the warning signs God is giving to us today? What troubling circumstances do you perceive happening throughout the world that may just be intended to get our attention and cause us to seek the Lord? Israel ignored God's warnings, and I'm afraid that many are ignoring his warnings today. Therefore, thus, will I do to you, O Israel, because I will do this to you. Prepare to meet your God, O Israel. For behold, he who forms mountains and creates the wind, who declares to man what his thought is and makes the morning darkness, who treads the high places of the earth, the Lord God of hosts is his name. Now, what did Amos mean here by the warning, prepare to meet your God? Was there still time for them to repent? Or had they passed the point where God was willing to relent from the inevitable disaster he was bringing upon them? Some believe they had already gone too far and now they could only brace themselves for the imminent appointment with God. The Lord formed the mountains, created the wind, declares what our thoughts will be before we think of them. He comes down to judge the earth 
Yahweh of the armies of heaven is his name. And we must all prepare to meet our God. We will all give an account of ourselves before God. And are we ready for this? Are we prepared? There's only one way to be prepared, and that is to come as a sinner to the throne of grace and to believe in Jesus Christ, to ask him to forgive us of our sins and to come into our lives that we might be prepared to meet God. But if we are involved in sin, if we are pretending to be religious, when really our hearts are far from God and we are indulging ourselves in luxury or oppressing others or with heartless concern for the plight of others, all of these things are a, a mishandling of the resources and talents and treasures and opportunities that God has given to us. We will give an account Therefore, may God help us to, to be wise, to be sober in the days in which we live, to understand the days that we are living in really are signs that the end is coming soon. And are we prepared to meet our God? Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. Lord, we know that these things have been given to us so that we might also prepare ourselves, so that we may not just live for ourselves, but we may live for you, and live to help others as well. So, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts, apply these things to our lives. Help us be prepared to meet you whenever you come, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. We're happy to announce that we're building a new facility in Southwest Meridian, For more information or to give toward this project, please visit calvarytv.org slash building project. That's calvarytv.org slash building project. To listen to previous episodes, check out our Simply the Bible podcast. Tomorrow we will see where Amos takes up a lamentation against Israel and warns her to seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like a fire. Perhaps God will still be gracious to them. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Amos on Simply the Bible.